Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Where are we? In the village, talking about the Schizoid Man. There we go. Episode five in the original UK broadcast order, mm-hmm. and nothing else. <laughs> I think it was also in the original US broadcast order. Was it? It was too. I think wasn't it? I assumed they were the same. I thought that you told me that. Was I wrong? Well, if I did tell you that, I will tell you this. I have forgotten. <laughs> Not unlike some people forget how to say Gemini. <laughs> yes, or forget how to use their appropriate hand. That too. Mm-hmm. We're referring to events in this episode, the Schizoid Man. We're being clever. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're clever like that. Oh, we are. We, we share a, um, a... Mental link? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yes, we share a mental link to check the microphone before recording this episode too. So that's uh, so we're talking into the right microphone to start this, this podcast. We're smart like that. Yeah, better late than never. Uh, um, so this one, I don't remember what you thought about this one the first time around, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? I loved it the first time around because I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was honestly at, at a couple of points the first time through not sure which one really was the real number six and yeah it was it was really delightful being that much on the back foot and not understanding who was doing what and why and number what was the girl? 24. 24. I was gonna say 42 uh, and number you know 24 getting the cards wrong you know by that time I knew who was the real number six and who wasn't. But anyway, I d- didn't know if she was in on it or what was happening. It was just, and I really, really like this number two. And I really like the girl and her hat. <laughs> yes, the girl. I, I can't remember the actress's name, but uh, she is unique in The Prisoner in that she was a female co-star who got along with Patrick McGowan. Mm. I know, like, got, not, not in that, but actually, (laughs) like, didn't hate him. Mm. Uh, They, they had, so, uh, I noticed in the, in the opening credits, her name is, Jane Merrow, I think her name is, Mm -hmm. is actually on top of Anton Rogers, who is, you know, number two. Usually number two is sort of the lead guest role, but it's in fact her, who, uh, who, I'm wondering perhaps if, uh, Mm-hmm. McGowan didn't take a bit of a shine to her, not 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 in that way. He was a very devout Roman Catholic, but anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I, somehow that doesn't surprise me. I felt like they actually had a really good, relaxed, natural chemistry on screen as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought so too. Yeah, it was a very natural kind of, you know, their their scene in this in his cottage, as as he calls it, mm-hmm. was just very. You know, he's it's him with his guard down. You know, I've never seen him so relaxed in the village and just sort of. Mm-hmm. Like having friends over and like playing card tricks and stuff and sort of, oh, where do you want me? So just, you know, playing, being very playful. I thought, well, it's certainly at the beginning, I thought it was maybe a little relaxed, but still also rather uh, skeptical. Um, at first, I didn't think that he was actually believing that, uh, the whole mental link thing, he, just because he looked very sort of wry. Right. But, uh, but then in and actually talk uh listening to what his what his dialogue was then it i was like oh he actually does believe this mental link thing you know people don't have enough imagination at first i thought that was a sarcastic line but then after watching more i realized oh no he actually buys it and then buys it so much that he tries to use it to 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 win Mm -hmm. um and then it backfires but yeah so i think i 
I think I'd forgotten how weird this show gets sometimes. So yeah, in retrospect, I'm able to look at that very first sequence and see, yes, you're right. It was more relaxed, him sort of just being relaxed and letting his guard down a little bit. And the the looks that I thought were skepticism were simply just sort of his his way of like that's just how he smiles yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> that's just how he is that is that is relaxed guy mm. you don't see him actually smile much legitimately in this show so no. i find it odd that uh, she has a name allison mm-hmm. you know like she has a number but also a name and i think number two actually refers to her by that name as well which i thought odd mm. Yeah, I did notice that he called her by name, which also fits in with the those two got along like in the in the context of the show mm-hmm. because because yeah, he doesn't like the whole number thing in the first place, so of course he would he would want to call her Allison. Makes me wonder does she actually know his real name? You know, just because she didn't use it doesn't mean, you know, she very likely did. He was trying to tell people his name in the very first episode and they kept cutting him off, so I don't think he, I don't think he told her. It's kind of like Doctor Who. I don't think I don't think he tells. Oh, I do. I don't think he has any reason not to tell her. I yeah. think I think the reason that he doesn't use his name and he kind of goes by number six is sheer perversity because he's just annoyed at the fact that he is stuck here. So he kind of goes with that. But with this one person here who he, he actually gets along with, I there's no reason he wouldn't have told her his name. Now, we never, ever would have heard her say it on screen. And, you know, it's not like the actress knows. But I do believe my headcanon for this character in the, the context of this story is that she knows his name. Because obviously number two knows his name. They have this whole file on him. That's so true. it's, you know, his name isn't a secret from anybody except the viewer. That's that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. I am I am mixing up Doctor Who and the prisoner um, at the same time, which I want to do. So uh, you, you mentioned number two. You liked this number two, is that right? I do. But before we get off of names, I would, yes, like, sorry. I would like to point out that uh, we hear Rover referred to by name twice. By I two wanna, different characters. Yeah, I want to say this is the only time on screen they actually refer to him as Rover. Where Who said it's, it first? It's, it's sorry, I keep saying mm-hmm. that. Um, it's, uh, shut up. Computer. computer device making notification noises. I don't know what that was a computer or the phone. Um, uh, it was the prisoner. Number six says it first, I think, and then mm-hmm. number two confirms it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, dismantle Rover immediately or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you know, number six is dead. Rover killed him or killed mm-hmm. by Rover. And then, yeah, he does say, you know, deactivate Rover immediately. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. So I just think that that's like, what a weird name, but somewhat perfect because, you know, Rover is what you'd call a dog, you know? Woof woof, Rover, you're a Rover. Because he's the watchdog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, it's it's kind of perfect. Yeah, perfectly creepy. I have to think that Rover, I don't know this for sure, uh, was like basically an on-set gag, <laughs> I think. I don't, I don't know if he was actually written in as uh, Rover in the scripts. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just sort of called it that on the set and just sort of stuck and they worked it in. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure, but yeah. Yeah, I, that is one I don't actually have any strong feelings for one way or the other. I just think it's funny that, that at least in this story, in this episode, it's <laughs> referred to as Rover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number, number yeah, yes? I just thought of something else. Oh, I was yeah. giving, giving it a name actually, I feel like, takes away a little bit of the oomph of the creepiness of it. Assigning it a name, even if it is sort of, um, oh, what's the word? Like it, it doesn't quite match up with, you know, you've got this cute name with a mm. scary thing like even though you've sort of got that juxtaposition it 
still takes it away like something that's unknown misunderstood like not understood and unnamed is i think much scarier so. I think number two shouldn't have called him that. Mm-hmm. I could see number six doing that because mm-hmm. sort of like calling him Ruva has eaten his, you know, his mm-hmm. prey or whatever. And then mm-hmm. and then number two could have said dismantle the security system or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yep. Or And orange alert or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Okay. Anyway, now we can talk about number two and her hat or f- number 24 and her hat. Yes. What about number 24 and her outfit and her hat? Mm-hmm. Well, as uh, as my usual segment, which episode, or I always say that, which outfit in this episode would I most like to cosplay? Uh, I wasn't sure at the beginning. I saw her outfit and I thought, you know, I could actually wear that to work. Because, you know, it is kind of business casual. It's sort of like khaki type pants and just, you know, a, a sweater. But I just, I was like, I'm not going to go with that. Because I have to admit, I honestly don't like, I don't like most of the 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 village styles the the stripes with the bright colors and the umbrellas with the bright colors and the capes with the bright colors i I, that does not appeal to me aesthetically at all so i was like no that's probably not it i'm gonna wait for like a bathrobe or something like that and i did have a moment with the uh the women who the 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 good-looking women who were doing his hair (laughs) and i was like but they're very pretty "Mm -hmm." they had um they were probably terribly cheap and uncomfortable because they're super shiny i don't know if you noticed but i like shiny things I didn't notice that. No, I think I did notice that they might have had the same number. I think they were both 259 or 269 <laughs> or something or 249. I can't remember, but yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm taking great effort to look at everyone's number this time around. So. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I just noticed that the, the cloth that their outfits was made of was incredibly cheap. But I do like shiny things and I do like sort of uniform type looks when they're a little bit more laid, you know, sedate and uh, laid back. But, uh, but then, then number two comes walking out or sorry number 24 comes walking to number two's uh place to report for the you know the big showdown and she's wearing a hat and that's it folks i was sold this is that is the outfit i don't care what else she's wearing except for that hat i love that is my favorite style of hat i love that kind of hat my character in grand theft auto 5 online wears that kind of hat regularly um i even have a couple myself so yeah I would I would totally wear that. So now I feel like I need to to knit that sweater, perhaps. It's very much a mid sixties hat because mm-hmm. like Dodo wears it in the Celestial Toy Maker Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and Polly wears it at the end of the War Machines and Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely a very mod kind of. I like mod fashion. I'm a fan of it. I know you that might that might also envelop the the bright colors and stuff that they're mm-hmm. wearing in the village. But I, I to me that is a pleasurable fashion. Uh, <laughs> At a, uh, what's what we're looking for? Mm, I have no idea. Palette? I don't know. What are you going to mm-hmm. say? Aesthetic, maybe? That's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say, I like mod fashion on Doctor Who at this mm-hmm. time because Doctor Who is in black and white, <laughs> whereas the prisoner is in color, and I have to see all of these garish colors, which I am not enjoying. So, so yeah, if that was a black and white sweater on a black hat, maybe I should cosplay as uh, number 42 in a black and white version of... 24. 24. I keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, I just want to link her together with Douglas Adams or something for some reason. Um, I wonder if they numbered her 24 because, you know, 6, 12, 24. Ooh. Multiples of. Yeah, it could be. Interesting. But yeah, I I, I like the outfit in the end. Um, I think that 
the hat won me over enough that I was kind of digging the sweater even by the end of it. And I already have pants that are similar to that, although not that short. Mm-hmm. So that was a way of uh, mm-hmm. very, very slim cuts mm-hmm. in the mid to late 60s. Yep. I mean, I would it, I would wear pants that were that slim cut as well. You know, even the, the short ones, like I could just wear them with sandals or something. But mm-hmm. all right, let's let's stop talking about my clothing at this point. Okay. Uh, number two. Oh, no, you have something else. No, it's fine. I like number two. I like this guy. I recognized him and couldn't figure out where until we looked him up on IMDb. And yeah, he had a very relatively small part in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels mm-hmm. with um, Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Yeah. And I love that movie and have seen it many times. So it doesn't surprise me that his his face stuck. But the, the role that he plays is sort of small enough that that yeah it's it's also not surprising that i didn't remember exactly where i knew him from until i saw it online i'll say this to you as i watch him now and i finally sort of put two and two together um if they were to make this episode today Mm -hmm. i look at him and i see you know who immediately reminds me of the entire episode mark gatiss oh i could I could see that. Could, there were so many times or just his delivery and his mannerisms and just that sort of slight mm-hmm. poshness that Mark Gatiss has. Mm-hmm. I just thought Mark Gatiss would totally be mm-hmm. a number two if they made a prisoner today. And, the, and he would be that that number two, mm-hmm. yep. Anton Rogers. He's also a snappy dresser, just like uh, number two. You know, I mean, it's not that the number two is all dressed no. differently or anything, but I don't know. I felt like this, this version of him. Actually, I was going to say before the hat came along, I was going to say that uh, this number two was going to be what I would cosplay as in part because I really, really want that um, uh, cane seat stool thing. We never see it unfurled. We only see it in its cane form, but yeah. But yeah, I just feel like that would be a nice thing and and handy to have. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And now I want some flapjacks. Yeah, flapjack. You call, you called them crepes, and then I corrected you because I knew they were going to call them flapjacks. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. yeah, now I'm wondering. See, I always thought that flapjacks was just a sort of slangy term for any kind of pancakes or something like that. But those those looked like crepes. Those did not look like like pancakes because they weren't thick. They were thin. They were folded the way crepes are usually folded. So now I feel like I need to look up the etymology of flapjacks because clearly it was used in the UK in the 60s to refer to what I think of as crepes. Perhaps the way that the English cook them too because they each have like little slices of what? Are they orange or lemon or lime? Lime, Lemon. Lemon on them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always think of flapjacks as like pancakes syrup, you know, and everything with lemon on them. Whereas with crepes, yeah, fruit and crepes is a very common thing. So, hmm. Interesting. Oh, the things we're going to look up. <laughs> no, this is this is probably the most random and stupid and boring episode of this podcast so far, which is kind of sad because this is one of my, I think, favorite episodes that we've watched so far. In part, though, a big part of that is Patrick McGowan is amazing in this yeah. story. Not only does he get to play two different characters, which is always kind of a cool thing for an actor that is good and that I like, but he, his, his, characterization of number six let's just go with the actual number six for a moment first of all um he as soon as he has woken up and discovers he has a mustache and it's you know they're trying to make him think he's number 12 his hands he is in like already he's got this physical acting going on with his hands because obviously the character has has been zapped a bunch of times to kind of switch the uh the reflexes there um he also has sort of like a whole physical like head neck shoulders 
not quite twitch like almost you know reminiscent of like the hunchback of notre dame the way they kind of show that or like richard the third but not to that degree not actually a twitch but just subtle change in posture to show that he has been tampered with and he's been cowed and it comes through so delightfully um it just it just made me proud of him <laughs> i don't know why but it did because it was really good uh, there there are f- few better actors at being basically silent like he is such a good actor and oftentimes his best stuff is when it's only him mm-hmm. and he's coming to realizations mm-hmm. and a lesser script and a lesser actor would have him like talking to himself or there'd be a voiceover or something but he just conveys all of this in his expressions and his body movements and everything he's he's, he's a pleasure pleasure to watch yeah the uh the scene where he's sort of figuring everything out so it's it's you know at night they think he's about to crack oh gosh those fools mm-hmm. uh and he wakes up in the morning and he looks in the mirror and i felt like maybe we didn't need that whole flashback sequence to show us what had happened to him uh, i thought that was a little on the nose a little over explainy kind of like the uh you know the quote-unquote director's cut of uh donnie darko give me a break people i've never seen that oh well it's not as good um but <laughs> it's it sort of it sort of dumbs it down a little bit and i felt like that's a little bit what that 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 sequence did however it was important for us to see the left hand right hand thing and the fact that it is based around electricity so like that was that was important but then as you said super fun to watch him because he just goes around the apartment he finds the white cigarettes and then finds the uh cigars and there's something in the cigars i i don't know if it's like flash paper or something which i assume is made to make the cigar smoke up really stinkily or something like that um Uh, yeah i think perhaps people in 1967 knew the contents of cigars more intimately than perhaps we do today (laughs) that we were able to tell a bad cigar from a good one well not so much a bad cigar but a any cigar or cigarette shouldn't have like a piece of wire in it you know (gasps) that's right okay i finally got that thank you for explaining that to me you're welcome yep um and then of course he takes the lamp and at first i'm like what is he doing with that lamp and then and then yeah he grabs the uh the pipe and i was like oh my god he's gonna electrocute himself and try to like zap his body back into the right way which i'm guessing probably wouldn't work but that's all right for the purposes of this tv show it was amazing best not to try it anyway just in case (laughs) yes please kids don't try this at home Uh, but yes for that entire sequence he's not saying anything he's just going through the apartment he's you know tossing a box up and down and and then shoving it disdainfully away with the back of his other hand just with a flick oh that was really good and then his number 12 is also delightful a little bit more posh a little bit over the top but still very number six in the mannerisms in exactly the same way that you know this curtis dude would have been if he was a master spy and was learning to act like number six Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so who is curtis because that's like it's sort of uh, at, at first it's kind of hinted that he's like some sort of facsimile um, but I don't think that's it. But he's actually someone called Curtis on the outside who just happens to look exactly and sound exactly like number six. Or he was altered to look that way. I mean, we haven't gotten terribly far into the series yet, but weirdness abounds. So I think, you know, even seeing in something like A, B and C, they have the technology to get into your brain in your dreams and talk directly to you. They have the technology to add people in using tape mm-hmm. of some sort. Uh, I don't think it's 
out of the realm of possibility to believe that that he has been, you know, had uh, plastic surgery or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Maybe something temporary. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think that he is number 12. He is Curtis. He is on the same side as number two, and they do go back a ways. That's clear. So I, I never thought that they were hinting that he was some sort of facsimile. I thought that was just... Um, some fun ad-libbing that Curtis, as number six, did to try to sort of throw the real number six into even more of a tizzy. Mm-hmm. Duly noted. Well explained. I think the first few times around with this this episode, I was confused by that as to who number six was because I didn't watch it very closely. I thought, wait a second, what's happening? And now that I watch it closely, I know it's more or less what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, the first time I watched it, I wasn't certain either. Uh, especially toward the beginning, like right after the, the switch had happened. I wasn't enti- exactly sure who was who was whom and when, uh, which I think is the most fun way to watch it because you are really well enveloped in the show when you're as off base as, as the character in the show is. So, yeah. And what a, what a weird and sort of delightful way to try to mess with somebody's mind i mean they've got him there they've got him there for a long time and they might as well try all kinds of different ways of sort of mental manipulation mm-hmm. and torture and this is a strange one but uh but good i liked it i have another question then if you can help solve me because this is another thing that i've always wondered a uh he says oh the cold words gemini mm-hmm. so i can tell you apart um but then they asked for the code word and number six says Gemini <laughs> and that gets him beat up mm-hmm. or well almost mm-hmm. beat up uh, and then for some reason number 12 um, says that the password is schizoid man mm-hmm. why does he say that I wonder okay so first of all I think the Gemini Gemini thing is basically a um, John Pertwee chitinous moment. Yeah. It's pronounced chitinous, doctor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was just, I, I suspect maybe they shot it out of sequence or Magoon just forgot mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it's number two that actually says the password is Gemini. Uh, so I believe that uh, that Maguin as number six is trying to say Gemini and just gets it wrong and they never reshot. So... That is a remarkably doyalist explanation from you. I am very impressed. Oh, well, you asked me to explain it to you. I'm actually, I'm explaining it to you. Thank you. I know. I thought you'd like try to like hand wave headcanon away here, but no. No, no. It's probably just he. Okay. If you want me to do some in world. You don't have to. You don't have to. But if you have something queued up, by all means. I was just going to say, no, he just forgot or he doesn't. He's always pronounced the word Gemini wrong, and in a moment of, of heat and panic, he says it that way. I don't know. Like me and mischievous instead of mischievous. Thank you. Yes, it's only mischievous. Okay, and what was my other question? Schizoid Man, that's right. Yeah, okay. So Schizoid Man, okay, there's two passwords. That's the thing. Uh, there's the password that number two gives to number six, whom he's trying to think oh. he's number 12. So the fake password is Gemini. So even if he had pronounced it correctly as Gemini instead of Gemini, he would have gotten the crap kicked out of him anyway. Because that shows that he's the real number six. And number two has given the order, you know, find number six, find him immediately. So that's why those guys pop out. They're looking for him. As soon as he says Gemini, boom. Gemini means you're number six. That means we need to take you in. Ah, so if he said schizoid man. Mm-hmm. So why did Rover eat um, number 12 then when he said schizoid man? That is a very good question. My headcanon, <laughs> here comes the hand-waving, is that the mole 
on the arm had some sort of device that keeps the rover off. That's my guess. Because he takes it off. Mm -hmm. He actually peels this fake mole off of number 12 and puts it on his wrist. Mm -hmm. Wow. So so Allison, number 24, didn't know about the mole. Oh, no, she did know about the mole, actually. But then rover is also like, mole, mole. Yeah, yeah, so that's because because really schizoid man is the actual password. We know that because we see it work with number two. Number two totally buys that you know schizoid man is right. This is number twelve. They're buddies. Um, he starts to number two. When did he say that? When did he say schizoid man before? When he when he calls when he calls number two and says number six is dead. You know what's the password? Doesn't he say schizoid man then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Okay. Go on. Sorry. Yep. So, so he has he's given the password. Slow. Yep. To to number two, and number two believes that that's his buddy, and only starts to be a little bit concerned and you know possibly disbelieving, like bit by bit, more and more, until the very end when you know I wonder if if he hadn't said anything about Susan or if it, if number two hadn't thought to say give my regards to Susan if. That would have been the end of it. Number six would have gotten gotten out, and but but that was sort of like the final test from number two being like, I'm not sure I trust that this is the right guy. I think he had his suspicions. In fact, uh, when you know, oh, there, just wait a second before you get on the helicopter, and then he goes and talks to the pilot while number six talks mm-hmm. to number twenty four, and I bet you saying, go up in the air, fly down a little bit. I don't trust him at all, even if he's mm-hmm. like for real. If he, yeah, and so I think I think the Susan thing is just a final confirmation of his own. Yeah. Suspicions. Yeah, he's he also is a, a good actor who does a nice job and he's his suspicion is showing um from, you know, on and off for for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I do think that Schizoid Man was the real password, which is why I they never explain in the episode why Rover kills number 12. There's no explanation. So that's why I have come up with the mole thing because I can't come up with anything else and I would like this show to have at least a little bit of internal consistency. Trying to think of my, I'm trying to hand wave this thing away here. Um, he says schizoid man, and then almost makes him go after him. Even oh, here we go. Or, or there's two of them. Who's the first to say schizoid man? It's it's real number six. He says schizoid man before uh, number twelve, Curtis. Before Curtis says schizoid man. Um, so probably Rover is programmed to know that there is only one entity only one individual who has the password schizoid man and i'm not supposed to kill him so when number six says schizoid man he doesn't kill him when does number six say schizoid man as soon as rover pops up um and comes up to them number six says it first and then number 12 says it afterwards so i feel like rover's you know computery whatever rover's assumption is simply that Curtis is just repeating what he heard from the real guy. I haven't, uh, I haven't, no, I didn't watch that scene as closely as I thought then. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that number six said schizoid man. I believe he does. You can watch it again if you want, but I was paying pretty close attention. So, okay. So now I have two uh, right. head y reasons. Um, either one's, I think actually that one's a better better reasoning than the mole but i kind of like the mole because it's ridiculous i think what i'd like to do here at this point is totally ship number six and rover and (laughs) rover was jealous of the attention that number 12 was paying and possibly number 12 was going to kill number six Mm -hmm. and rover was having none of this and was going to take him out you're dumb 
<laughs> but I love you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so two two more things, two last things. I don't know. Uh, one, I find that they were sort of going for because I know you know you look at the they're saying which side runs the village for the first few episodes, but it's mostly all. Um, white English people mm-hmm. and I think they made a definite effort to sort of make this more international there's a uh, you know a Sikh fellow walks by and mm-hmm. says uh, uh, evening number six mm-hmm. uh, there's a woman of color driving the taxi cab mm-hmm. there's Earl Cameron mm-hmm. um, yes where, CBE where do we know Earl Cameron from? he was in the 10th planet I thought so. Yeah. I thought I recognized him from there. He was uh, one of the astronauts, correct? He was the Captain Astronaut. <laughs> That's his name, Captain Astronaut in the Tenth Planet. <laughs> That's a great name. I would I would take that name. I would start a band called Captain Astronaut. <laughs> there might already be one. But uh, yeah, so there's a whole a multinational, multicultural um, lineup now. So that's sort of to say this is more of a, of a melting pot of different people from around the world running this village and not necessarily one side or the other, which I, I think was good. And then something that, unless you want to say anything apart on that top of that. I, w- I was going to say that it is nice that, you know, if, if this village is supposed to be uh, spies from around the world and everybody is white <laughs> and like, you know, English or English speaking, that gives an idea what the showrunners uh, think of the like intelligence, um, you know, intelligence community of, of other countries, which is not so good. I shake my head at that. So I agree. It's nice to see some people of color. Yeah. I was a little surprised. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. It's a very colonial attitude to take, I suppose, which is not that surprising given the ages of the people probably making TV at that point and mm-hmm. having seen the setting of the British Empire. Um, and the second one, is something you raised very early on and we haven't talked about yet. The sets on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you want to say about them? I just, I find the sets sumptuous. Not just his apartment, although I would happily live in his his cottage, as he calls it. I mean, just the details are fantastic. The the copper pots and knives hanging from the wall over the over the counter in the kitchen. The the maps on the wall. He's got a couple maps. I love maps. Um, the the 60s style furniture it's very like pleasantly cluttered there's a there are a lot of knickknacks there's a lot of little stuff around i don't remember seeing um calendars in every single room the way we previously to this episode (laughs) the way we did here uh maybe they were there and i just didn't notice them because they weren't germane to the plot but I, i i've always really enjoyed number six's his you know his domicile and then it's extra nice in in uh, comparison to number two's just very spare room that has the the penny farthing and the weird chair in the middle and a counter and that's it unless something else pops up out of the wall or the floor well that's on his 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 uh his living quarters are you sure because we've seen one at least one number two pop up in the chair in like his bathrobe with his hair all messed up oh i know but he pops up from underneath so somewhere underneath is probably a a better yeah he doesn't actually sleep in that room Okay, I, I didn't really think that he did, but uh, but but that's the room that we see him in. So you, you have a, a very big clash between number six, who has this comfortable apartment, and number two, who we always see in a very just empty Spartan room, which is Im- impressive and imposing, but not comfortable at all. Except the chair might be comfortable. It looks like it's got blue velvet. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But the reason that it actually popped into my head in this episode is because he wakes up as number 12 with the mustache and uh, and is in a different apartment, which is every bit as, you know, well decorated, but differently. So still you have really nice uh, 
stuff that's all around. I mean, an ugly lamp. That is the ugliest lamp I have ever seen. That weird like bird thing. Grotesque. <laughs> it was. Um, but but somehow it fit. And and just, you know, the paneling and the bedspread in there was, was I, I actually made a comment to you. Uh, I was like, I probably can't cosplay as a bedspread because <laughs> it's quite, quite the pattern. And then I noticed the carpet, the, not the carpet, the, uh, the curtains are exactly the same pattern. And I was thinking, oh, if this was the sound of music, I could just rip down the curtains and make clothing out of it and then I'd have clothes of that pattern and I could literally cosplay as the curtains. Is that a thing that happens in that movie? Mm-hmm. Yep. The kids have no play clothes. So um so Maria makes them play clothes out of old curtains that were going to get thrown away. What what does Christopher Plummer have to do with that scene? He's pissed after he finds out that his children were given play clothes and that they're wearing curtains. Not happy. Not happy. Canada's greatest actor, by the way, Christopher Plummer. Now that I think about it, I'd like to see Christopher Plummer in a Canadian adaptation of The Prisoner circa like 1968. I think that would have been great. If we could go back in time and make that happen or like into an alternate reality that was like, you know, 50 years behind where we are, I would happily peek into that alternate reality like fringe style. That would be that would be amazing because, yeah, I could very much see Christopher Plummer. Man, he'd be great, wouldn't he? We really would. Mm-hmm. I'm really wow. I'm kind of he's, he's kind of got this transatlantic thing going on because uh, you know McGowan was born in New York, grew up in Ireland and 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 the UK though, and then moved back and forth. So he sort of has this kind of transatlantic thing. And then Christopher Plummer, I think, has always been Canadian, but he's always been in Shakespeare plays, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's got this sort of like faux British play accent that you could totally see as numbers oh <laughs> fantasy casting a canadian version <laughs> of the prisoner all 17 episodes in the time period that, that they were actually oh, okay all right there's my next project <laughs> oh boy wait so all of the actors have to be canadian actors of that time or can you take canadian actors from like from now or other times and put them back in there like, well, uh, you, th- that's a good point because I'd have to come up with actors from the mid to late 1960s. Um, because I'm thinking like a contemporary Paul Gross, like like a now Paul Gross would be a great number two. You just want to fantasy cast <laughs> Paul Gross and whatever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is that it for this episode? I wanted to point out his finger, that uh, that, that is sort of the key to everything yeah. um, that that I like that number 24 obliquely apologizes at the end. I think that's a nice thing. We haven't seen anything really like that before in this show. And that's another thing that just sort of cements their, their friendship and their relationship. You know, she's like, I, if I had it to do again, I wouldn't do that. But when it comes down to it, she actually did save him. She saved the day, not on purpose, but because she was so klutzy with her camera and knocked over the bottle of seltzer, not, you know, smashed his finger. That is what sets him on the path to, realizing you know how much time has passed and and what has happened and it's her picture of him holding up the cards that he's able to look at with a magnifying glass to see the you know the injury on his finger so yes she does play along with them and backstab her friend but had she not done that she might be dead we don't know you know these village people are village people are pretty rude mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not so nice so you know i feel like she's one of the more nice characters that we have seen so far that's probably why she didn't last past this she's probably immediately zapped off to somewhere else to be less nice somewhere else yeah it's rare that we see anybody in the village who is sympathetic 
from the beginning to pretty much the end of the episode, mm-hmm. except for number six. Yeah. All right, then. Let's get to it, man. I love it. I really, really love this episode. Yeah, very good. Um, the next one, I think we don't, it's a new Blu-ray, so we don't have the menu flashing in front of us as we record this. Mm-hmm. I think it's the general. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's the general that aired next in the UK, and that's the next one that we'll be covering. Okay, well, you know what? If you're wrong, we'll record a little tag to uh, to let everybody know. How's that sound? But but if you don't hear anything different, he's right. Mm-hmm. I'm probably right. Mm-hmm. But if not, eh. No, if not, we'll record a little tag so people know what to watch for next time. I keep forgetting that this isn't Lazy the Prisoner. It's, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Stop being so lazy. This yeah. is this is in the village. We're in the village. In the village, we everybody has to pull their weight, don't you know? That's true. We mm-hmm. do have to pull our weight. Okay, well, <laughs> next week, uh, possibly the general. Does that cover it? Great. Okay, be seeing you. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.